0: Let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there. My name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times bestselling authors and much, much more. These people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences, and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show, every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Paul Altero. Paul is the owner and founder of Bubbacoo's Burritos, a restaurant chain debuted in Point Pleasant, New Jersey in 2008. Since then, it has grown to include more than 37 locations, employing over 600 employees. Since 2015, the concept has launched as a franchise model, and the business has been featured in Entrepreneur's Magazine's top 100 franchises in 2018, in addition to being ranked top 10 hottest Mexican franchises for 2018. And Paul also has a ton of other incredibly impressive accolades that I could not encompass in this intro. So without any further ado... Please, please put your digital hands together for Paul. How you doing today?
1: Well, thank you, Ben, and thank you for the awesome introduction. That's that was very kind of you. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, sir, and uh, I really do appreciate your time doing this interview. So let's jump right in. What? Sure. What is your story?
1: Wow, that's a long. <laughs> that's a loaded question. I can I can talk for uh, anywhere from. I give you the abbreviated version in about 15 minutes. I give you the extended version. It take about an hour, but no, the, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. We don't want to bore anybody. Uh, pretty simple, Ben. You know, I grew up. My partner, I do have one partner, Bill Hart. Uh, you know, I have to, and I'll represent him in this conversation. Conversation that's okay with you. I know he'd he'd appreciate it. But um, both my partner and myself, pretty humble beginnings. Uh, middle-class, maybe even lower-middle-class people. Uh, my partner grew up in Albany, New York. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, of all places. So it was a little bit of a uh, tough place to grow up, but I learned a lot. Uh, I, I would probably credit a lot of my street smarts with growing up in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, not very entrepreneurial. Uh, mom is a secretary. Dad was a, uh, a train conductor. And, uh, you know, they were very nine-to-five type people. But they taught me hard work. They taught me work ethic. You know, I worked from a very young age, as my partner did. And uh, to be honest with you, um, we ended up migrating down to the Jersey Shore area in the early 80s. Um, I am dating myself. Um, But uh, it was a different way of life uh, in suburban New Jersey uh, as opposed to the city area. Uh, It was a, it was a, it was a good, good place to grow up. I was, I was, uh, you know, just, it was, it was a good, good place to grow up. I was, I was, you know, just on the cusp of being a teenager, Uh, ended up uh, again, having a happy childhood, Uh, went off to college uh, at university of Delaware, finished up with a four year degree there Um, during this whole time, probably from about the time I was about 12 years old. All the way into college, I, I worked in the restaurant industry. So I did everything from, you know, sweeping floors and making bagels and, and prepping food in the back to uh, being a server, uh, bartender, bar back. I worked in a lot of full service environments um, all the way up until college. And then in college, I, I, I cooked and uh, worked in the various restaurants around the university. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, soon after, when I graduated college with my four-year degree, um, I worked for um, Nordstrom Restaurant Division, uh, which Nordstrom Department Stores have a restaurant division. And uh, in that uh, capacity, I was a manager very young, um, had a couple of really good mentors. Um, out of Nordstrom, I also worked for Pizzeria Uno for a short while in Manhattan. Uh, and then, uh, I ended up working for a company called Johnny Rockets. And Johnny Rockets, um, I, you know, they were a great brand, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000. I'd say, you know, they probably peaked out probably mid 2000. Um, that's where I met my partner, Bill. And, uh, you know, that, uh, we, I I would, I would, I think it's fair to say we both changed each other's lives. You know, I was Bill's boss. Uh, but Bill, at the same time, was an amazing individual, hardworking guy, great work ethic, uh, was a real support for me uh, because my, my role ended up going from store manager to managing the upstate New York market, uh, managing uh, Michigan, managing Ohio, um, picking up Manhattan, picking up uh, Virginia, Virginia Beach, uh, picking up uh, Florida, uh, Washington, D.C., so the whole ride in, in this company I worked for for 10 years, I was promoted several times. Uh, started again as a store manager, finished up as a uh, regional director uh, of the East Coast. And uh, I don't credit myself entirely with that because uh, you know people people get you there. You get you, you know you assemble the team that helps you uh, you know ultimately get there. But you need the people to do it. And Billy was a really big part of that. Uh, at, at that point, uh, around 2008, the company had sold. Like a lot of other companies, things had changed dramatically. Uh, the ownership had changed. And uh, it just seemed like a good time to strike out and uh, start our own business. And in 2008, my partner and I um, created Bubba Coo's Burritos. Um, oddly enough, um, <clears throat> the brand uh, was conceived... in my University of Delaware days in around 1994. Uh, It was my mock business plan in college. Uh, That's true. Um, Anyway, started in 2008, found a great space right down the street from the house that I'd recently purchased in the town, of the wonderful town of Point Pleasant. Um, And uh, I would would say it was an overnight success, but it it wasn't. Uh, It took us uh, several months to build the business. Uh, we created a brand that was extremely different. And you say, well, what makes you different than Chipotle? What makes you different than Qdoba and Mo's? They're all fabulous uh, brands. I have tremendous respect for them. I think they do an awesome job. But what we wanted to do is create something that was a little different, a little bit more cutting edge, I guess you could say. <clears throat> and we started uh, with the proteins. We came up with items like hibachi, uh, cooked to order hibachi steak and shrimp, it came with, uh, up with items like the crispy buffalo chicken, the sriracha pork, um, the sweet chili shrimp, uh, the shredded ghost pepper chicken, the list goes on. Um, but, you know, we thought by creating different protein options was a great way because what did what did Moe's and Chipotle and Qdoba all have in common? A lot of the same offerings, you know, the beef, chicken, pork, beef, chicken, pork. Uh, and again, they do a great job, but I think people... You know, they are always looking for something different. People like variety, right? They like options. They like choices. So, uh, you know, we started to craft different things. We started with a lot. Of, we also, uh, you know, uh, put a lot of starters on our menu. So we have, like, really cool things like, you know, buffalo curly fries and bacon cheese tots. And uh, we have a signature item that's on our entrees, uh, out, of, uh, out of our entree mix, and it's called the Chihuahua. And it's basically a um, a fried rice ball. Uh, it's panko crusted. Uh, we pump nacho cheese or queso all over it. We kind of dress it like a burrito. It's 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 not low in calories, um, but uh, I can tell you that people love it, and we sell a ton of them. Um, but the short of it is, is we crafted something from at least a menu standpoint that was extremely different. A, B, our atmosphere was different. You know, one thing I noticed about Chipotle is, and even though they were very consistent, they did an awesome job is Chipotle's felt very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, very institutional. You know, it was a, a, a bit cold inside of the restaurant, you know, and uh, in terms of atmosphere, we decided to create something that was a little bit more vibrant. And, uh, you know, we didn't want to come across like a circus, but we, we, we wanted to, we wanted it to have a little bit more energy. So we went with the avocado green walls. Uh, I think it's up a Pantone or two uh, brighter in color. Uh, we went with a lot of, uh, you know, the, the re- reclaimed wood effect. Uh, we came up with uh, a lot of these action videos, uh, X Games type videos, um, things that I would say are very, uh, you know, they're kind of mesmerizing when you sit down and watch them. And I'd say the biggest element and one of the things my partner and I thought were really important, was really important, was the, uh, the music. So, uh, you know, my, my partner's an enormous music person um and uh i have my you know we're about eight years difference in age so uh you'd be surprised how different you know um that you know your your palate for music is when you're eight years apart but i know the songs that i like and he knows the songs that he likes we put them together and it really seems to capture a pretty broad audience but anyway with that you know again we have an energetic environment we have different food we've got these action videos we have great music uh, the other thing I really didn't get into is the service side of it. Uh, working at Nordstrom for a couple of years, you learn a lot about service. And uh, there's service and then there's service. And, um, I, you know, we're believers in wowing people. So when you come into our restaurants, and I, I'd say, you know, you know, for the most part, we fire on all cylinders pretty well. Um, you know, our employees are required to engage with you. They're uh, required to talk to you actually have a conversation with you ask you how your day is where you're coming from uh you know geez that's a great hat you're wearing so we think that's a real big part of uh, what makes people feel comfortable when you walk into a restaurant you know we try to get away from the the standard when you walk through the door what can i get you so um that's a, a big part of who we are and that's coupled with of course uh you know upbeat people and personalities That's coupled with making sure that we get out into the floor, even though it's fast casual, uh, you know, our our plan or intention is to make people feel that even though they're, they're at a quick service restaurant that they feel as though they're almost at a full service restaurant. So we like people to get around the counter, talk to people, ask how that specific burrito was, ask how again, how their day is if we didn't have a chance to ask in line and uh, see if they need refills on their drinks or If maybe you'd like to try out one of our awesome desserts. In addition to that, the only other thing I'd like to say is we're extremely community engaged. And I know that seems like a standard nowadays for a lot of companies. They like to tout that they're really socially responsible and uh, they're all about giving back. But I truly believe that we're two guys that created a company that genuinely enjoys giving back. And and really we do um, plug into the community we're big on fundraisers, we're big on donations, you know, we're big on food, just, you know, a church will call us up and say, hey, we're doing a big party for a hundred people. You know, would you mind helping us out? We'll say, absolutely. And we'll feed them pro bono. But uh, A, we think it's the right thing to do. And that's first and foremost part of who we are. But B, it it, it comes back, um, you know, tenfold. So that's a big part of, uh, again, our concept. So I think you just got the, uh, what I would consider the abbreviated version of our brand and kind of what we do and how we operate.
0: On the personal side, for you specifically,
1: sure. how how
0: has building something this incredible, something this big, impacted Paul as a person?
1: Oh, well, that's a, that's that's the most interesting question that anybody's ever asked me uh, in terms of word impacted. Um, I think all positive. I mean, I don't think there's anything negative that I could take away from this. Uh, it's been quite the experience. It's really stretched me mentally, physically. Uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure I was this capable of being able to create what we consider at this point an animal. Uh, you know, the, the, it's really, it's, we're, we're to the point of liftoff. So, you know, we're, we're kind of coming up on the cusp of about 50 locations signed. And it feels like there's no stopping, and uh, you know 50 is going to easily turn to 70 by year end. We'll turn to 100 by the end of 2020. Signed, of course, uh, but we're doing our absolute best to keep up with the momentum of that. In terms of you know, from the construction standpoint, but let me get back to your question. Um, it's really it's really extended me. It's it's taught me how important it is to have that right structure around you uh, in more ways than one. You know, I have a wonderful wife. Um, and she really holds it down in the house. I've got two young girls, um, and uh, if I didn't have her and I didn't have her as a, just a wonderful human being being committed to the family and uh, really being committed to those girls, you know, it would be much harder for me, right? I wouldn't be able to be as plugged in to the company as I am, uh, and, and vice versa. Uh, from the company side, <clears throat> if I didn't have you know, the great people that we have, uh, we have a we have a great executive team. We have a great vice president of operations. We have a great vice president of franchising. We have a great uh, vice president of construction. And again, there's there's other levels baked in there. But these these people that work for for me and for us are very talented. Uh, they, they, we we all have deep relationships. All these people are people that actually uh, come from my past. So they worked with me at some point. Uh, so I know them intimately. And, uh, that again, uh, they shoulder a lot of that responsibility, which allows me to spend time and to have, you know, to focus with the family when I can. So it's, it's kind of, um, you know, um, a double-edged situation.
0: You mentioned how building this has given you the ability to, to stretch. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by that because, You know, from from the outside, I mean, like you said, you know, you've built an animal, something incredible, Um, and 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 you are a human being. You know, you you are you are a human being. So, where did that really stretch you? Like, I really want to drill down into what parts, what parts were stretched. What have you really learned? And and you know, what are some of the biggest takeaways from this journey that you've been on?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, again, I'll kind of defer to my last answer partially and then I'll elaborate. Again, the power of people, right? One wrong person, one bad hire can really ruin your day, can ruin your week, can ruin your year. Um, So understanding that everybody you hire, even down sometimes to the store level is critical um, because that one person in that one store can create a lot of problems for you long term. Uh, and it's the same with the franchise, uh, you know, partners that we have, uh, you know, for the most part, they're all great, you know, and we'd like to keep it on that trend. Um, but you know, in terms of how it stretched me, it's taught me to be more creative. It's taught me to be more resourceful. Um, I'd say, you know, it's always keeping, it definitely always keeps you on your toes. So you're always alert. Uh, that's good and bad, <laughs> you know, uh, always being alert, um, Again, it, you know, I'm not saying I, I don't sleep well because I do. But, uh, you know, you're always you're always in tune and you're always plugged in. Uh, the other thing that I've also learned what it does for me or what it's been doing for me is it's always. I wouldn't say, well, forced, I'm I'm, na- I'm naturally creative, but it's forced me to always be creative. Right. Because we don't want to be too standard. So we're always looking at different products. We're always looking at different ways of doing things. How do we make, you know, it's it's my old CEO at Johnny Rockets, Mike Shumsky, um, you know, a very successful man. He was a president of Sonic, CEO of uh, Johnny Rockets, uh, CEO of CC's Pizza. This is an individual whose mantra um, was good, better, best. Never settle until the good is better and the better is best. And there's a lot of truth in that, right? It's like never settling. So uh, in our organization, I believe that we are always upgrading. We're always stacking, always trying to have the best talent, always trying to find the best people. But uh, the, in terms of creativity, um, you know, what's the next product we can roll out that's going to be the, the 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 wow product, the amazing product, the thing that's going to blow the doors off the industry? You're kind of always thinking about those types of things. You know, how can we make our stores look better? You know, we're probably on Gen 4. We say we call them Generation uh, 1, Generation 2, 3, and 4. We're probably in terms of aesthetics on Generation 4 uh, units, and uh, you know, we're always making them. We're to always make them look awesome, but at the same time, uh, be uh, you know, uh, streamlined so they're you know capable of being you know put up quickly and at the end of the day, cost effective. So. It's, you know, there's really, um, there's just always room for improvement, I guess you could say.
0: You mentioned how you had a few mentors that taught you some critical lessons as you were on your journey in, in your career. And I believe you said a lot of those mentors came from Nordstrom's. Can you talk about, um, and, and even even if they didn't all come come from Nordstrom's, can you talk sure. about what the biggest takeaways were from those mentors and why that was so important for your own personal development and growth?
1: Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to bore you mildly with my answers again. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd like to just work my way back a little bit. If I could backpedal a little bit on that question and give you the full answer. Sure. I always answer thinking parts. Oh, it's 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 a thing of mind. My first biggest mentor, my 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 father had passed at an early age, so my my first real father figure uh, that I really seemed to attach or gravitate to was a professor in school, and this was at University of Delaware. Again, I was a very middle income kid. I had to take I put myself through school. Uh, We didn't have much money. I took out a lot of money in loans, and uh, I you know I really been put in the path. Of uh, a, a gentleman and a, a, a great uh, academic professor. His name is Dr. Francis Kwanza, like the holiday. Um, but Francis was pivotal in my life uh, when I was in my early 20s. It was a really important years for a young man. But um, you know, he really instilled uh, confidence in me, and I'd have to say that that was the, he was the, he had to be without any reservation the most pivotal human being in my life. Um, And I give you a great example. He, uh, you know, I I had some confidence, but again, you know, keep in mind that I was the middle-income kid. Uh, I wore the imitation Nikes growing up. Uh, I was the person who um, was in school and drove a Volkswagen that had to get fixed every couple of weeks. You know, I ate, you know, spaghetti and, and marinara sauce or ramen noodles most of the time. When I wasn't working, um, drank cheap beer, but uh, he was the type of person that kind of saw that my confidence was a little low, and he he just embraced me. You know, after class, he talked to me, and uh, you know, he asked about my life. He had a lot of interest in me. And one of the things that was really unique about him is uh, he was very charismatic as a teacher. Everybody liked him as a teacher, but he always asked me the same question. This is a really important question, so brace yourself. Um, he always asked me the same question when I doubted myself in any situation. So, for example, uh, they, they, they had a, 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 an opening for president, vice president, uh, uh, secretary, treasurer of the hospitality club at the university of Delaware's hotel restaurant management program. And I said, Oh, that's kind of neat. And he's like, well, why don't you run for it? Cause why don't you run and be president? And he, you know, these words from then till today still resonate through me. And he always said to me, why can't, you know, I would say, I can't do that. You know, I'm, I'm not designed for that. I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I didn't have much leadership and he always said, well, why can't you do it? And he, he always, and it, it, he, he, He must have repeated those words, you know, a hundred times more since then. But he always used to ask me, you know, why aren't you the person who's capable of that? Why can't you do that? What's keeping you from doing that? And, you know, I don't know. There's just something in the mind of some people, again, when you grow up. uh, I wouldn't necessarily, again, say I had low self-esteem. I just didn't have I didn't have high self-esteem and uh you know i just didn't think i was like uh, I, w- I would ever be a president of something a ceo of something and uh when you have somebody that's like a little bird on your shoulder just always you know chirping or, or whispering in your ear well why can't you do it why can't you do it you can do this you can do this don't fool yourself you know other people you know that are less talented than you are doing these things and you know that's really powerful and um you know when when somebody is uh again, uh, kind of feeding you that, or at least, uh, inspiring you like that. Uh, it starts to, you start to ask yourself, yeah, why can't I do that? And, and something shifts and and it did for me. And, uh, from, from I'd say 1995 till today, uh, that was probably the most important, um, you know, person in my life to really, you know, swing, swing the way I thought. Um, you know, that's like buzzkill. How do you do any better than that, right? But, no, I had a lot of great mentors. You know, as we as I evolved and I grew and I was out of school, still to this day, uh, Dr. Kwans and I are still good friends. Uh, we're both busy people. Uh, I actually lecture back at the university frequently. They ask me to come down to the, the classrooms and speak. But, um, you know, then I went to Nordstrom, and I had a great general manager when I was an assistant manager. His name is John and, you know, again, he he just taught me how to work hard. He taught me the power of people. He taught me the power of speed and efficiency and organization, which brought me to Johnny Rockets, uh, the gentleman that now works for me, who I think I, I stated earlier in the conversa- conversation is Ron. His name is Ron Bidnost. Ron Bidnost hired myself and my partner to, to be employed at Johnny Rockets, which is really kind of kind of interesting. Now he works for us. But Ron is a very talented guy. And again, he's uh, a few things that I could say about him is extremely hardworking. He's ethical. um, And no matter what, whatever it takes, he gets the job done. So he's an incredible person in terms of what he's actually capable of. And that's a little infectious. So now you have the person, the professor uh, back in the 90s, who's giving you, who's building up your confidence or instilling confidence. And now you have somebody who's A doer and at all costs will make things happen you know that's a pretty i wouldn't say deadly deadly is a a bad word but that's a pretty amazing combination um and then i'd probably say um after ron would probably have been my uh my vice president of operations who was my direct direct report for the solid seven years uh the seven the last seven years i was at johnny rockets and his name is Mike Kozlowski. And the one thing awesome about Mike is, number one, he's a very intelligent person. And he was the one who taught me how to think my way out of things. Ron was a little bit more brute. He, he, you know, he, he's the guy that would walk right through the wall to get the job done. Mike would be the guy to teach on how to scale the wall, uh, you know, without hurting yourself or figure out how to pick the lock to the door to go through it. Uh, and Ron, uh, rather, uh, uh, Mike was a very cerebral boss. Um, he was very smart and, uh, he would, every time I would have a situation where, again, I could go to Ron and say, well, how would I do this? How do, how do I need to accomplish this? He would pretty much just tell me what to do. And 99% of the time he was right and it worked. Mike was a little different. Mike was again, more of a thinker. So when I went to him and I said, well, I have this problem, I had this situation in this market, what should I do? And he would say, well, don't ask me w- w- what you should do. He would say to me, what would you do? And he'd kind of, he'd he'd make me like mentally, uh, it was like mental exercise, you know, and he he really started to create a thinker in me, which I was more prone to taking orders and just getting things done. He started to teach me to be a lot more strategic and a lot more broad in how I thought and figured and solved problems. So, you know, I don't know. I I was very, very lucky. I like to use the word blessed in my life to have these people because they all taught me something a little different. And it was all a game changer in how I am as a leader now.
0: So it seems like those top three attributes would be the self-belief, self-confidence, the ability to execute and to take action, and the ability to, to think critically, right? That's right. You mentioned how Dr. Francis was, or, or Professor Francis was, uh, was, was the most influential. And that, yes. that, that, was the, uh, the individual who, who believed in you and, and helped you question things and like, why can't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? That's right. Why, why was that the most important thing for you? Why was that so pivotal?
1: Sure. Well, think about it. I mean, somebody could teach you to walk through a wall. Somebody could teach you to be a critical thinker. But if you don't have the confidence, I mean, you know, that's I think that's the most important character. You know, quality is, is really having the confidence to do certain things. Um, not to say the other two things aren't important. They're extremely important. But again, uh, it's, it's like one without the other. It just it just doesn't work. In leadership, it just doesn't work, you know, and, and that, that confidence is, is important. It's important in so many aspects. It's important, it, you know, it was important when I met my lovely wife. It was important when I decided to make the leap into uh, signing a lease on the space that I wasn't sure about, but I knew I knew, I, knew I could do this if I really put my mind to it. it you know, it gave me, it gives me the gusto till, till, till today when I just got off the phone previous to speaking with you. When speaking to a a, a potential franchise prospect, uh, you know I need to go into that knowing that i I feel good about what i'm what I'm talking about and that that we can do this and that we can get it done um, so I don't know if there are excellent examples of uses of confidence but I think they are
0: it It's interesting how you've accomplished so much and you've built something so incredible. And I know I keep saying it because it's true. And the fundamentals that we're talking about are not a specific marketing strategy or not, you know, how do you do a, uh, you know, how do you build this particular process or, or system, but it's fundamental building blocks of, of human performance of, of confidence and, execution and critical thinking that that's incredible to me
1: yeah yeah thank you
0: so on on the way on the journey what were some of the biggest obstacles that you did face and how did you
1: overcome them Mm. yeah well i can tell you that i can give you i have the very fast answer if i can answer something very quickly you know it's the right answer uh but you know we really went into this uh, undercapitalized and you know, we didn't have a lot of money and uh, my partner and I, when we kind of we, we took a leap of faith here, you know, it was pretty much tapping a home equity loan and uh, the home equity loan for the most part uh, built the store uh, and we even had to even reach into our credit cards a little bit to, to, to put that project together. And uh, you know, my partner really bit the bullet on that. And for a while, cause I had to continue working for another company. I didn't mention that, but um, I, you know, when you open up a business, you don't, you, I don't know too many people who make money immediately. Some do are, and they're fortunate that we weren't. So with that, I had to actually take another job just to be able to do double duty to pay the bills. But it was really my partner uh, really taking a leap of faith. And fortunately, again, he was younger than me. He didn't have as much financial responsibility. He lived in my house. But uh, he didn't take a paycheck for a long time. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, if I had to do it all over again, I certainly would have been better capitalized. We we built this company from that day till today with uh, basically taking the profit, taking the proceeds and reinvesting. And it's it's been basically a constant reinvestment for the better part of, I would say, seven years, eight years. You know, and and at the end of the day, what's even more ironic is uh, we have we, we're a company that holds very little debt, which is even neater. You would think we're we're leveraged, we, we're saddled with a lot of debt. We're not. We've been very smart about it. We haven't been greedy. We've been always taking that money and reinvesting our money. So, um, I, I think that's a good thing.
0: When you made the leap from being an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur and and starting your own venture what were some of the the critical lessons that you had to learn like what were some of those fundamental business skills that you needed to learn in order to be successful in, on your own uh venture
1: uh again um you know layering layering in resources and people at the right times and what I mean by that is, you know, we couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't start this company like a lot of companies have a grand vision for their company right out of the gate. They were heavily capitalized. They, have a, they formed a major team right out of the gate. We've been a little bit more prudent. You know, we've been, you know, stacking or layering in overhead as needed. So one of the things, one of the, the biggest things that has made this company successful, I believe, uh, is the efficiency in the company, uh, even down to the store level. You know, we don't uh, drive our labor through uh, a percentage-based process or system or metric. We do it more through productivity. And really, what that means is uh, we expect high productivity, which means people work hard. And uh, we, we put that same burden on ourselves as as the executive members. So um, you, you had to learn that, you know, and that's something that um, I picked up a little bit in my past life again with. Johnny Rockets and other companies, but when it's your own, you are very careful about everything. So you, you learn to put your foot on the gas on in some occasions, and in other occasions, you learn to get on the brakes or to at least slow it down when you need to. And I'd, 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 I'd like to, if I could, just go back and say our growth was pretty steady, you know, but it was slow. So, you know, again, in year one, we built one restaurant. In year two, we built another restaurant. Three, we, we, our growth wasn't rapid until I probably say the last three or four years. But the first six years was, I would say, generally very conservative.
0: What is something that entrepreneurs, business owners need to learn from you, specifically you?
1: Yeah, Patience. You know, uh, you know, in retrospect, in 2008, when I started this company, I was very excited about it. And so was my partner. And uh, I can tell you that I thought if you were to say, where where do you see yourself in 10 years in 2008 or 2009? I would have said, oh, I'll probably have about 500 to 1,000 restaurants by then. I guess that was my my confidence really kicking in back then. But I I really thought we would have been much further along by now. But I think that, you know, there's it's a process. And, you know, what's the, what's the most important thing? Proof of concept. I mean, you know, proof of concept. So people are are everything, you know, I don't want to, again, I'm not putting people on the back burner because you need the people, but I'm just saying, you know, you need proof of concept. And really in order to, uh, I think to be successful, uh, you know, you can't open up one or two stores that are doing well and say, well, we're going to franchise it. Now, Some people do that and they they do okay. But, you know, I believe in, Hey, let's really show, let's create, you know, a company. We need a sample here. We need a large sample that says this works. And yeah, you can get lucky on one, you can get lucky on two, you might even get lucky on three, but can you get lucky on 10? Um, And I, you know, we thought that was important to really prove the brand out that it can work that it has legs and that this is something that's, that's uh, that works. And I have to say that even today, when I speak to people, uh, because again, we're not a big company, and I, and I appreciate you touting us as uh, some uh, some um, you know some conglomerate, here, but we're really uh, we're, we're really pretty small, and we're we're getting there. But if people love the fact that when I speak to them on the phone, or I, I meet with them live, and and they they you know we have the thirty we have almost thirty franchise restaurants, and we have the uh, the ten company stores, you know, it's a big talking point. People love that we have skin in the game. They love that we understand the business. They love that we have the resources out of those 10 stores in order to properly support the growth. Um, so um, to go back to your question, you know, patience is a big one. Uh, and that kind of ties into my my second point. If you think it's going to take you five years to accomplish, it's probably going to take you 10 years to accomplish what you thought you were going to uh, accomplish. And that goes the same for, for the dollars. That goes for the same for the units. And again, I'm generally speaking, there are some people that do meet their goals, but that's been my, my personal experience.